Welcome to Talking Out Ranting. My name is Alistair Field. And I'm Greg Smith. You've dropped in our topic series, The Struggle to Be a Good Manager. And today, this is another in our interview sessions, the experience of millennials in the professional world. And our special guest later on is going to be Casey Pugh. So let's just set the stage for today. Greg and I have been friends for a long time, and I think we're still friends, although that both of us have a bunch of personal projects and stuff going on. There's a little bit of tension, but I think we're good today. Yeah, we just did find out that we uh, both had spent times in uh, Western Canada, me in Calgary and Alistair in Edmonton, which is, you know, those are kind of competitive cities in Alberta. So we're going to have to work through that, but I, I think we can. Well, we might have to reconsider a few things, but uh, I, I'm sure we can work it out. <laughs> so we've both been managers for a very long time. We have both benefited from other people assisting us in our management development. We have been uh, hosting this podcast dealing with how we and others have missed the mark in uh, you know, the struggle to be a good manager. And as we've worked through this podcast series, we realized that there are other areas or other people uh, that have different perspectives and experience that is outside of our experience. So that we, we've decided that in this podcast, we should uh, pull up another chair to the table and invite somebody to have a discussion with us so we can get their perspective. And with everything else that we undertake, we want to have a good discussion. Do we have a good discussion today, Greg? Yeah, we're going to have a great discussion. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this. And I don't know about you, Greg, but I've had to, uh, this is probably the first uh, interview session where I've had to take a look at myself. And I think we're both at the tail end of the baby boomers generation. Is that correct? Yeah, we're kind of on the edge of Xers and baby boomers, I think, depending on how you define those years. But we're, we're kind of, uh, I think we're crossed uh, over into both of them, but uh, definitely uh, uh, closer to the top end for sure. So we're old. We're old. Yeah, that's, okay. that's the other definition of top end. <laughs> and uh, this is one of the first ones where I've had to be very cognizant of who I am and how I approach things. And although I have, uh, both my boys are millennials, uh, they don't live at home anymore, but I'm certainly a little bit more uh, aware in this discussion that uh, I bring a certain perspective to the table. Yeah. And, you know, as managers, one of the things that we we know is that that it's probably the most complicated um, workplace these days based upon multi-generations. I mean, you have traditionalists, which are like 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds that are still in the workplace, all the way down to Zetters that are coming up that are, and you have millennials, you have Xers, you have boomers. So it is complicated. And although there's many similarities throughout, you know, I honestly believe that life stage often is a bigger indication of those differences, but there are significant differences in those generations. And as a manager, uh, not only are you managing more diversity from cultural diversity and that, but uh, generational diversity is a big thing. Uh, so part of our, um, the great thing about this podcast is really just getting another perspective um, from that large and, and new and impactful group called the Millennials. So let's uh, welcome Casey to the podcast. Casey, welcome. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Hey Casey, so I, I'm going to just take over just to do a little background of Casey. So Casey, uh, we're really excited to, to have you on the podcast. You, you know, we've known each other for a long, long time. Actually, I've known you since the very beginning uh, because I knew your parents and lived in Calgary uh, when both my son and you were born. So although we were only there two and a half years, uh, we've hung on as friends uh, between your parents and us and uh, connected as family. So it's cool to be able to have you uh, join us for this podcast. 
and I'm going to walk through a little bit of your background, and uh, I'll 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 uh, get it right hopefully here. I know I'm going to get this this pronunciation wrong because I'm not good at that. But graduated from University of Calgary's Haskain Business School. How did I do? Yeah, that's correct. Wow, <laughs> that's what happens when you practice. Uh, in 2017, with a major in finance, and uh, you know, I love the fact that you know, although you and when we first connected, actually, uh, after a number of years, was I was doing a uh, certification program for coaching in Calgary, and I needed a, uh, a, a guinea pig, uh, someone who would volunteer, and you were voluntold to uh, be a part of uh, that uh, coaching practice. So I, I actually got reconnected with you even more uh, deeply uh, at the time when you were, I think in your, your last year of business uh, school, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And you were sharing at that time, you know, you'd, you'd pursued finance in junior high and high school, and you were really got, you know, you got excited and were drawn to things like Dragon's Den and BNN's Market Call. And, you know, when I talked to you, I was blown away by you know, your depth of knowledge, your passion for those areas, and also your interest in real estate um, through, you know, your your investigation of REITs, as well as the fact that your dad is a general contractor. So you had the hands-on and also the financial stuff and um, how things often work out are cool. We were uh, doing this coaching session, uh, which was uh, which was great for me as a part of the certification. And uh during that time, you kind of didn't know what you were thinking about, although directionally this finance and real estate thing kind of gotten uh, you excited. And I, one of my cohorts in that training course happened to be with a bank and we're on the, in the process of looking for uh, um, uh, trainees. And, uh, and I just happened to say, hey, I'm, I know someone who's really good and keen and really bright through our conversation. Sometimes synchronicity kind of works. And uh, um, you went into the, uh, the bank uh, uh, and in a grad program and accelerated in a whole bunch of different things, cross-training departments, and uh, ended up in the real estate end and uh, have been growing since then. So uh, we're excited. You're still fairly new in your career, three years, but you've been really doing some great work. And we're excited to... Um, have you here today. And I'm not sure if I missed anything, but I think I kind of captured the highlights. Uh, you also, you know, are, are a great hockey player. You, you love, love working out and connecting with different things. Uh, um, but uh, how did I do in the, in the quick summary? Yeah, I think that was pretty good. I think you uh, gave me a little bit of too much credit when uh, I think we first met when I was in my final year. I think I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do and I had no idea where to get there. And I think our early conversations kind of helped me kind of give me the confidence to explore that. So I think that that was pretty crucial. I think that just saying yes to any opportunity that kind of comes up. Uh, I think those were one of my lessons early on in, in my career was just, if anyone says, Oh yeah, like you want to chat for 15 minutes, just say absolutely. Cause you'd never know where that's going to end up. Right. That's, that's a really great insight. I love that. And, you know, throughout our podcast, Casey, we've talked about two core strengths of leadership and really their individual leadership as well as being curious and being courageous. And part of being courageous is saying, hey, that 50 minutes, I'm going to take a risk and have a conversation. And curious is what can I learn? And, and I've experienced you as someone who is always curious, wanting to learn, wanting to understand, wanting to grow. And I think that's a uh, 
uh, another uh, thing that I've, I've observed from you uh, as in our conversations. So what we're going to do is we're going to shift and we're going to, now that we know who you are, one of the things we want to tap into as a part of this is really the experience of millennials. So I'd love to kind of pick your brain of, you know, when you, you know, millennials, I think have a bad rap, but uh, they, they, you know, they're definitely um, people have a, have a perception of them. So I, I thought maybe that I'd, I'd, uh, I'd turn it over to you and say, you know, so what are some of those characteristics that you have heard? You know, some may be true, some might not be true and, uh, and uh, share your thoughts to give us that perspective. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess I kind of had a, heard a more of a negative connotation to uh, millennials. A lot of uh, kind of just given everything and pampered and maybe nurtured, I think. Uh, I was trying to think of examples. I think one of them would maybe be, I think they were talking about sports early on in my, in, in my life. And it, people were getting trophies just for participa participation. And there's no such thing as getting a first place or a second place. I think that that's kind of speaks as an example of, how everyone's kind of nurtured no one's feelings can really get hurt and you're kind of given trophies even though you don't maybe not deserved it compared to what people were given in the past so uh i think they kind of want everything and they're also given everything and they can also be very opinionated because maybe they have a lot of confidence because they're <laughs> given and they want everything so uh i think that those are the major characteristics i've i've heard in my my time at least yeah, and it's funny because when you and I have talked about this a little bit, you said, you know, well, some of them uh, are definitely not true and nothing can be a blanket statement across. And some of them may be somewhat true um, in, in both areas. And I love the way you kind of expressed it there. You know what, if, uh, if a generation has been um, cared for, um, pampered might be the far end of it, nurtured might be a positive end of it, that means you have more confidence. You are more you know, courageous to ask the questions, to be more opinionated, to, uh, to uh, uh, dive into things a little bit more. So I, I think, and, and you, you and I have talked about this, there's, there, some of those are, are experiences and probably some of those characteristics have helped you be successful up to this point. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I was lucky enough to be put in a position where I had managers that were very encouraging for me to uh, give my opinion and they would listen to me and they would uh, kind of have an open discussion. So I was very lucky in my career that I essentially started off with mentors that allowed me to do that. I met people that didn't have the same experience and I think their careers and my careers and my opinions on management and leadership are very different. And that's only three years into my career. So I couldn't imagine what that would be like five, 10 years if you still had a more negative experience with leadership, I guess. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I think this is where, you know, how, so how's leaders, and we'll talk about how managers, we respond in those situations. I mean, one of the things that uh, uh, each of you know that I've just written a book in search of safe, brave spaces and the best organizations, the best leaders that I've worked with are ones that actually create a safe space that I can gain my confidence and belief and trust in myself and a brave space that I am confident to voice my opinion, to express my ideas and that type of thing. And so actually in the right scenario, in safe and brave spaces, that like, like you fortunately experience a millennial, but frankly, anyone I think can really shine 
Um, you know, and I think sometimes it's our reaction to maybe years of, of boomers uh, or, or whatever folks are that felt that they couldn't say those things are now frustrated because we have this new generation that actually has the confidence that has some of the trust in themselves and belief in themselves that they can actually say stuff. Yeah, so what, one of these things, just as regards to the, the millennial, the, the experiences, what, what are some, have you experienced, you, you've said you've experienced some positive uh, uh, things uh, as well as some negative things around the millennials. What, what uh, are uh, some of those experiences, both positive and negative, that you've run into in your short career so far that have jumped up with regards to this reaction to your generation? Well, I've had some managers kind of tell me that I'm very ambitious as far as they would compare themselves to, um, well, me to themselves at my age or at my duration of my career. And they would be shocked at maybe how, how I've already kind of decided a path or I have an idea of what my path looks like. And I'm really trying to ask their help on how to guide me there or how serious I took my career early on. I think those are the kind of the compliments and that's probably comes from my, I guess, millennial ambition, maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I've had times where maybe some people are at odds with that. It might not be something that they've experienced before, or uh, maybe they might think that I'm a little bit too early on in my career to have those kind of aspirations or want to see that as early as I'm, as I am, maybe I'm, uh, not at a management position yet or not close enough to a management position yet that that career is not exactly brought to life yet. Uh, so it kind of comes in two hands. Sometimes the managers can be very encouraging and uh, try to help you out. And even if maybe there's not a career template, they can kind of help you navigate and help you reach your goals. And there's mm -hmm. other times where they are thrown off by it and maybe they might see it as, I'm just, I just want everything and I haven't done anything yet, right? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I jump yeah. in there for a second? Can I jump in there yeah, for a go, second? Go, yeah, since Alistair, I think I, you know, we had, we always pre-plan these uh, shows and then Greg goes off track. So jump in, my friend. <laughs> no, it's good. This is all good. Uh, Casey, one of the things, uh, we obviously exchanged program notes before the interview. So, uh, and, and thank you for all the thoughts that you put down. And one of the things that uh, we kind of glazed over, and I think it's kind of a, a tangent of that last point is, is one of the characteristics, uh, whether it's positive or negative, I think in many ways it's very positive, is that uh, uh, millennials, it seems to be that they're not going to be working for one or two companies in their life, that they're going to move on and seek out other opportunities. And that uh, ambition, as you call it, um, I think fits into that. And, and it's one thing that as a baby boomer, I have to say that I actually admire that because uh, I don't know how many companies Greg has worked for, but I've worked only worked for two major organizations in my uh, proper working life. And I got to say that that's one of those characteristics that I find uh, intriguing and appealing that, you know, along with your ambition and maybe an idea of what you want to do. And I find it surprising that other generations find that might find that offensive because I've seen it in all the generations, but I really like that point. It's one of the characteristics uh, that I don't know if it's true or not, but I have seen it in millennials is this thing that, um, I'm done at this company. There's a better opportunity over there and it kind of fits in with where I want to go. And so I'm going to make the jump. And I, I kind of really like that. And I, I think that's kind of where you're at in your life as well. Yeah. I think 
I wrote down that transient point, and I know that's a characteristic of millennials and how, I guess, the negative negative connotation to that is that they're not loyal, I guess, <laughs> to their companies or their managers. Uh, that might be a way some people might see it, uh, or they could just be ambitious, as you're kind of talking about, uh, kind of having the courage to kind of jump into other fields or jump into other companies, kind of experience something newer and have a new challenge. Uh, one of the things that I would say, as far as my background being transient, uh, my parents didn't have the same career. So they jumped to a number of different fields and a number of different companies throughout their lives. So my background, as far as being transient, it doesn't seem, it seems like it's a common place in the workforce. Whereas I know I have family friends and I have friends where their parents have worked at the same job, been in the same field for years. Like I think one of my parents' friends just retired and he did, I think 40 years at this one company. So it's just, it's very different as some millennials might've had that experience where their parents or where they're brought up where the parents want them to get a good job at a good company and they can stay there for the rest of their lives and they're set. Right. It's, and then I have friends that don't exactly see it that way, even though their parents have had that framework and have kind of set that framework and that culture forward. So I guess I was kind of lucky that I experienced that the transient could just be a part of your life versus friends that maybe that wasn't an option for them. Yeah. And I could see that, um, you know, troubling some managers and you, you said the loyalty thing, which I think is a very dangerous term when managers throw out that thing or leaders throw out that. I really think that's something as a manager, I think both Greg and I have managed millennials and it's one of the things that it's just the way it is. If that's the way they see it, that's the way it is. And, and I, th I think it's something that uh, managers especially just have to get over because if they look back through their own careers, they might not have been called millennials, but we've all made lateral moves or moves up or whatever, jumped over to somewhere else to further our career. So I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's really something that should be looked at negatively. And I hope that managers, you know, managers that are listening to this will appreciate that, that, you know, you have some goals and you want to do something. If there's a new opportunity that, you know, you're kind of, Hey, I'd like to kind of ride that wave that it's not a negative thing. Yeah. yeah Alistair, the one thing that I was just, that really stood out for me in this whole dialogue is that, uh, you know, I think sometimes uh, as individual, we label people, but, but, but by one thing, millennial as being one and something Casey you just really brought up that was really uh, uh, bubbling up for me here is that you know yes generationally there are certain themes but really we're much more complicated than that and one of the big influences are our, our family that we were raised in and what's important to them and what do they believe and what they've uh, shared with you. So, you know, your great example of your mom and dad, they, they, uh, they didn't have those one and two jobs. Uh, they actually tried different things. They're more uh, curious and explore different opportunities. Um, I too have moved around uh, more than probably most people in my generation would have. Uh, but then there's others that have stayed in, in a role for a long period of time. And those um, patterns, those behaviors, those instincts uh, float down to the kids. So I, I do think you're right. It's just, it may not just be, we get stuck in generational and, and there's, there's much more to it uh, than just that. And I think part of what managers can do is just, you know, not just follow that uh, trail down to all millennials are this, it's much more, um, much more complex 
absolutely. I would definitely say that when I was talking about, I guess, the culture of some friends where their parents have lived the same company or been with the same company for years, or they find there's some stress for them to make maybe change their career paths or want to try something new or unsure what kind of company they want to join. It seems like there's some stress as far as whatever company they have to join or whatever field they want to do. That's it. Like that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And that's, there's definitely some stress on some of my friends and some of the people I've met in university. And it seems like they're kind of been guided into a certain path because of their family and because of that, there's a lot of stress for them to kind of choose something else. And there can be a lot of stress built up at school or in their career to, I guess, be themselves or kind of be a little bit unique, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And what's fascinating for me is if you talk to my parents, you talk to my grandparents, they would have described, boy, I felt stressed because my parents felt I should do this because my parents felt I should do this or the environment or the community that I was in felt I should do this. That has nothing to do with millennial boomer, Xer, Zetter, anything that has to do with the, the environment which I'm in and who influences me and, and what I choose to do differently. So I think that's really a powerful point, just even as we're thinking about uh, this whole millennial um, definition kind of thing. Cool. Well, Alistair, do you want to, you know, our, our podcast really is just uh, from wanting to shift a little bit to look at, so what have we experienced? So as a, a young person, uh, new in their career, uh, entering into the workforce, we want to talk a little bit about some of the things that we've experienced for uh, from mentors and managers so far. And a whole podcast is really, you know, what can we learn? What are the things that we've learned of, of really great things? Uh, from the folks that we've worked for and what are the things that maybe aren't so great and both are learning experiences. So maybe I'll turn it over to you, Alistair, to help guide us through this part of the, the dialogue. Okay, Casey, uh, if you could, uh, you know, uh, I gather you've been working about three years or so. If you could walk us through some of the things that you saw that were really helpful, that were really good from uh, either a manager or mentor that you've been dealing with over the last little while. Yeah, I think when I was writing down these I guess, good and bad managers. It seems like the bad managers essentially had the opposite of what the <laughs> good managers had. It didn't seem like it was uh, a list of characteristics or a list of positive and negative things. It seemed like there's really some some keys and if they do one, two, and three right, then it's I found it very easy to uh, deal with those men mentors and have those managers and see kind of that career progression as a I guess a millennial. And I would definitely say that reading Greg's book and talking about safe, brave spaces, I think uh, a lot of that made me kind of reflect on my experiences with managers and uh, kind of seeing that them creating those safe, brave spaces, not exactly on purpose, but they've given me the opportunity. And because they've enabled those scenarios, they became. I guess, good managers in my mind. So uh, some of the things like listening, uh, just continuing to have an actual discussion, having feedback, not exactly answering a question with a yes or a no, but kind of evolving that into a discussion. I think it, you get more out of it when you're learning early in your career, when they're not just giving you a yes, no, and kind of ending the discussion, kind of building out that conversation. Maybe it's a five minute answer, but if they can build it out to, 15 minutes or 20 minutes and kind of give you the subsequent answers. It kind of helps you, right? Uh, 
I think also the managers that can see when you're challenged and when you're not challenged and wanting to continue to just kind of help you develop in your career. So continuing, making you continue to learn and uh, make decisions and provide solutions. Like those that kind of enable you to try to find an answer, try to do that next step. Cause I think if you're finding the solutions rather than finding just the problems, it can just lead you to that next level. I think that's important for you as a future manager. And that's important for you to understand how you can make, I guess, <laughs> their job easier and how you can kind of attribute like a complex scenario. And if that complex scenario is very hard for you to figure out, if you're able to find those answers, it makes solving the simple scenarios a lot easier. And I think just being honest, just being more authentic with your discussion is not exactly fluff all the time. I know I've had some managers before, which uh, only try to see the positive light, which is, it's always a good thing. You always want your manager to uh, <laughs> not be negative because I know that kind of uh, changes your work and how you go about your workplace environment. But just being honest about scenarios, if they don't agree with something or they disagree with something, I think it's important to have those transparent conversations. And then I think the last one is just encouraging. And I think that encouraging one just keeps kind of coming up. And that's a part of being honest and transparent and always challenging and listening. I think if you early on your career, say you want A, B, and C, if they can encourage you to reach those objectives and if they can listen to you and challenge you and they can kind of pull through how, how you can achieve that by <laughs> encouraging you on your career, whether it's a performance review or maybe just an odd call or maybe encouraging you to find solutions. I think that that's all a part of it. If you have, feel like you have more power early on in your career, I think that that allows you to be a lot more ambitious. I really like those. And one of the, the characteristics that we kind of slid over, I think we talked about it a little bit, is, and I know it's saying it's, it's valid uh, as a characteristic of millennials, but one of the complaints or one of the, the ideas floating out there is about uh, that they're opinionated. And, and what I really realized from you just talking about, you know, some of the good characteristics, some of the good things that you've experienced in managers is that as a manager, as a baby boomer, uh, if that's what I am, uh, that you know, you, your generation, you in particular, from what I, you know, the short time that we've spent together, you want to talk about stuff. And as a manager, I have to feel comfortable with that. And whether you call it opinionated or you have an opinion, imagine that a person has an opinion. I, I just think it's really important for managers like myself and Greg as well. I'll throw him under the bus as well, that, um, you know, we need to listen as managers. You, it was your number one thing on your program notes about the good characteristics. So I, I think it's something as managers listening to this, especially ones that are older, like we are, that you expect to be listened to. You want to feel comfortable talking about things as you work out your problems. And I, I thought you phrased it really well that, you know, you want the room to do these things. And one of the things you put in the challenging section was um, encourages me to make decisions and provide solutions and you like the handoff or non-micromanaging approach. So I, I think, you know, that characteristic um, that sometimes people tag millennials with 
you know, is part of a bigger communication thing. And it's something that managers like ourselves have to appreciate that in my generation, I'll tell you right now, when I first started within the police service, I didn't say anything for three years. It was just expected. And so when I am now a manager, I have to realize that that's not the case now. People want to have a better uh, communication system with their bosses. They want to feel open uh, to talk about things, to learn how to do things. So uh, I think that's awesome. I don't know, Greg, do you have any uh, feedback on the good stuff? No, I love that. Uh, and I just love that giving uh, uh, the challenge. And I think one of the other things that's bubbling up for me is I think most millennials, and I love your thoughts on this, Casey, they, they do want direction. They do want a framework in order to know where I need to go and 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 uh, directionally what is expected and and what it looks like. But then give me the freedom to actually bring the solutions and the ideas to bring that forward. So because I don't think it's a you know just go and do it. Uh, it it is a it is a framework and then go. Would, you, would does that resonate with you that that both of those are important from uh, managers? Yeah, absolutely. I think. Uh, when, when we're talking about the non-hands-off and or the hands-off and the non-micromanage, I think it's also important that uh, you still need to, even though the millennial or I could be very ambitious, uh, you still need to kind of guide them. There can be an end goal, but you still need to offer time to uh, help them get there, I guess, and kind of guide them. Uh, I think I've been fortunate enough where I've got the opportunity to work on uh, projects early on in my career that maybe other people might not have the opportunity to and they would have just given me an objective we need you to figure out what A is and let me know if you have any questions so it's at that point it's awesome because you're learning essentially how to swim and how to paddle and you know you have the goal of A in mind but you might need okay, how do I start, <laughs> right? So I think early on in my career, I realized that that's also a little bit important, uh, especially on your years one and two. Uh, might not exactly be on your third year where you know what's happening, but you still need a little bit of guidance. And I think uh, managers, in my experience of helping with people and maybe taking more of a manager role, uh, you kind of need to guide people to get to that objective because if you're trying to get what A is and they found a different way of getting to A and it might not satisfy B and C, you might be restarting again, right? And that's not effective for everyone, right? So I, I think that that kind of comes hand in hand as far as you don't want to be micromanaged, but there's also, we need guidance still, right? We're still very early on in our career and we might be very ambitious, but we still need, <laughs> still need help getting there, right? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because, again, I don't think this has changed generation to generation. There's a tool that's been around for years called situational leadership, which really talks about will and skill. And as a manager, you look and determine for that person how much will do they have, energy to want to do stuff, and skill, ability to do stuff. And then based upon that, you determine the kind of support that's required. So someone at the very beginning who has no skill but a lot of will, you have to spend a little bit more time, provide more direction. Folks further along the, the pathway that have all the will and all the skill, you just got to kind of check in and nudge along. So I, I, and I don't think that's different from any career. And I think, but I think those, those frameworks and that idea of who is this person that I'm leading, managing, working with, and what do they need um, in order to help them be most successful 
Um, you know, there's some great frameworks that are out there that, that have been around for eons um, and, and yet still are solid in helping um, to create the right space for someone to be successful. That's awesome. So Casey, uh, talk us through some of the uh, kind of negative things that you've experienced uh, with managers or mentors that has uh, uh, you know, affected you, uh, affected your work experience. Yeah, uh, I think really a lot of those bad managers essentially have the attributes uh, the opposite of attributes that the good managers have. So, uh, for example, just being poor listeners, just providing opinions, not exactly conversations. I know that in school you hear that every any question is a good question. Uh, and I think that's a great lesson in your career. And I think that that should be always encouraged, that even if your question might be uh, more, more of a simple question, it should always be encouraged. And I know at some times where I've had managers where you bring up questions and they might give you a simple answer or they might have a certain tone on delivery. Uh, it can kind of shut you down as far as what questions you might bring up in the future. And maybe those questions you might have in the future might seem simple to you, but that they might actually have complex answers that are important for your future development. So uh, really those that kind of, just kind of ignore your question and not really give you an example of maybe why it's a, a simple question and maybe why, why that's not a valid question at that point in time or kind of explaining like maybe if it's not a, the best question, but a way you can kind of grow that question into the correct answer, I guess. I think it's just providing a more safe environment, encouraging environment, I guess, to ask more questions. And then, I've had leaders that are not exactly receptive. So there's sometimes where it could be a day-to-day -day operations. It could, you could be working with someone on something and they could just seem not receptive to uh, kind of just general feedback. It might not be something in their control, but it might be something uh, that impacts your day-to-day -day that could be, could be more efficient, could be kind of weeded out a little bit more that you can create a more efficient system or a better way of doing things that make it easier for both of your jobs in the future. And I think there's some time where sometimes where people can just think that you're just nagging and you're a little spoiled and you're just opinionated about everything. But <laughs> I think that's at the same time, I think you always want to kind of have an environment where you're encouraged to provide feedback or, uh, they're receptive to all of the comments you might have. Maybe they might not agree with something, but at that same time, if you don't agree with it, if you don't agree with me, you need to have that kind of conversation because I think that can provide you more comfort in the future asking anything. I know I ha I've had managers before where I'm very comfortable with them, where I'll give them very honest opinions and they'll have very honest conversations with me back and forth. And I think that's important. I respect those managers that can provide a very honest and authentic and could challenge me on my opinions because I think that that makes me grow as an individual and as a future leader. Well, that's one of the things uh, I think I really like about the millennial uh, kind of attitude towards things. And you used a word in your um, program notes uh, regarding non-receptive, uh, the inferiors. Uh, it seems to me 
you yourself and probably generally millennials really like to have that honest conversation where nobody's meant to feel little. And one of the things uh, I think we glossed over on the characteristics as well is uh, challenging the status quo. And I think that's something that uh, most managers, no matter what generation they're from, they espouse that, but they don't necessarily live that out. So I really like that part that you brought out about not receptive, that you want to have a good conversation and you expect to be challenged on your views, but you also expect to be able to question the views of your boss as well and ask questions to understand, to move forward, to understand why things are going on. I really like that. And I think that's just such a wonderful thing to share in this conversation. There's definitely been times where I've had kind of the same question I asked two different managers and they both provided different environment and a different response. And I think that I've reflected on myself and maybe, maybe as a millennial might be, might've been more encouraged in my career to ask maybe stupid questions or maybe ask uh, questions that could be, or provide feedback that could be a little bit negative and maybe in their experience with their previous managers, they were told to provide little opinion or not encouraged to provide any opinion in the past. And it might, I think everyone, everyone believes that in order for a company to involve, you must continue to question yourself and have those reflections and challenge the status quo. But I think that it's one thing to say, and I think it's another thing to actually in- encourage it, I guess. So there's times where I've had discussions with leaders and they can kind of, ignore your question completely or not exactly develop those conversations. So I think that's an an important aspect that managers need to have. And they might have that background from their previous experience of them maybe being not in a titled role where they're not encouraged to provide that feedback. It's interesting that one of the things that uh, I'm seeing in the workplace, especially in COVID and and going through is this, uh, is this huge need for uh, developing coaching skills in managers. Uh, And really, it's all about what you just said, um, uh, Casey. It's about, you know, coaching requires great listening skills. Coaching requires great questions to help pull out ideas and insights and thoughts and to lead to that deeper discussion. And unfortunately, managers historically, especially mid-level managers, have been all about um, uh, doing and maybe um, holding people accountable versus creating the space for people to do what they need to do. And so, so um, you know, you've been fortunate in your, your great examples of having folks that have that innate coaching ability, uh, which is just creating that space. Uh, but there are a lot out there. And frankly, throughout my career, I know there are times when I didn't do as good a job in that space. I think one of the things that I was thinking of on the terms of encouraging millennials or I guess your <laughs> inferiors or however you want to say it, I think one of the most honest conversations I've had with some of my managers is my managers have told me straight up that I want you to look good. So I'm going to make sure that I give you the time of day every day to become better in your career, because if you look good, I look good. And I think that's one thing I didn't think of early on in my career about maybe I should ask questions to my manager because, because me becoming a more well-rounded professional is going to make them look better later in their career. Cause they can be, they can always point at me or point at 
someone else and say, I taught that guy and I, I helped him get to where he is in my career and I can kind of brag about that. Right. So I think that that's one thing that I didn't realize for the, on my career, I was a little bit naive to think that I might be wasting my leader's time or wasting my manager's time. But those leaders that were very authentic and saying like, Oh no, like you should waste my time because, <laughs> or you should take up my time because it's important for me, for you to look good. And then if I make you look good, you can make other people look good. Right. So it, it, it's, it's a very mutual beneficial uh, position, I guess, when you're early on in your career. And I, I think that you need to think about that when you should always be asking questions and always trying to get better. And you shouldn't be afraid of doing that because really their interest is the same as your interest. They want you to get better and you want to get yourself better. So. I really like that, Casey. And, and if we take it one step further and add the team dynamic in that, so if we have a team of people that feels comfortable and we have a boss that feels comfortable and we can all come to the table and discuss stuff and be transparent and open and come to the table with the right attitude, of course, where we, we want to be mutual beneficial, can you imagine how that workplace would be if you just didn't have you, but a bunch of you talking to a manager and you had such a great relationship where they were listening, where they're receptive, where they're encouraging how that workplace would look like. Exactly. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to have a couple leaders and informal leaders that have been very honest with me and very frank about my development and what that means for their career and what it means for my career. And I think I've had been on teams before where it's an absolute cohesive unit because everyone's communication channel is very honest, authentic, transparent. And if their day-to-day is bad, the entire group's there to support them. And I think that... As a whole, I've seen that go to performance where teams are outperforming because of how well they work as a cohesive unit. It's interesting, Rumi, because I often talk about the difference between being an abundance thinker and being a scarcity thinker. And I think abundance thinkers are those that believe there's enough for everybody. And in fact, if you encourage and build up everybody, then there'll be more for everybody. And that's your description. And scarcity is the opposite side. And I know in some of your bad examples here is where where I, I think that if you get credit, then I will get less credit. If you get more value, I'll get less value, which results in people therefore taking, managers taking credit for stuff, um, looking out for their own interests over yours, you know, shutting down stuff if, if you know, or shutting down you if you're really uh, uh, doing great work. Um, you know, and I'm, 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 uh, have you had those experiences of where you had that, uh, leaders that had that scarcity, uh, um, view versus the abundance view? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where that has came from because I've had, and that's few and far between in my experience. I've had more encouraging managers versus, uh, bad managers, but I've had managers that are, uh, a little bit more, I guess, self-oriented or their performance is going to be based on helping out to a point where they're maybe <laughs> taking credit to your work, maybe deleting all of your work and putting in their work. Uh, so then they look better or because, so then they can say, I did this or rather than just being able to say they achieved this percent growth or reach these objectives. I also did all of this person's work because they will need to see themselves as, I guess, more value or kind of prepare that for their performance reviews. Uh, I've seen that in leaders before and it's, I would definitely say that it's not, it's not hard for, I guess, a, a millennial or a, 
or uh, inferior to understand that person's interests. And I think that that also needs to be taken into account with some of those leaders because uh, I think people can figure figure you out pretty fast and you, you might just have had that part of your culture as far as opinion is to take credit for other people or do as much as you can and that kind of makes you take credit for other people. But I think people can figure you out pretty fast and I think that I've been in the opportunities where I've had communication with other people and they've told me oh do you think this person's like starting to take credit for this person's work or this guy's starting to take credit for my work have you had that experience before you kind of nod at them and say yeah like that was my experience and uh, it's tough but you can have those open conversations but I've also found that those people that are taking credit for other people or (laughs) uh, are actually the bad managers and those are the ones that are hard to have those conversations with or not exactly listening to you and they can be a little bit more self-absorbed on that. And yeah, and those reputations, those people, uh, that reputation bubbles up and and therefore people don't want to work with that person. So it, it hurts them in the end because the best people don't want to work with them because they know that if you go and work for them, they'll take the credit or they won't give you the support and those kinds of things. So it might, it might, in the short term, you might have success, but in the long term, um, you're going to lose people and, and you're definitely not going to be attracting the best talent, the, the, the folks that are most excited to be with you and to create something great. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say that it's amazing to hear what you learn about the grapevine in your first three years. And if you have a good relationship with 90% of your team, and that 10% cause a negative impact on whoever on your team. It could be you, it could be someone else. People will know about that. And your reputation is going to be everything in your career. That's what I was fortunate enough to learn on. Early in my career, I had mentors and leaders that really emphasized how important your uh, reputation is internally and externally. And it, you need to realize that something that you say can be repeated across the entire group, maybe not on purpose, but people hear things. And if you're n- making negative comments about someone or putting people in bad positions, other people can recognize that. And it's it's not hard to see who's kind of struggling, who's not getting along in it, or who might be shut down. And the last thing you want is for someone on your team to be shut down. I really like that, Casey. I really like the idea that you had leaders and mentors who early on, you know, shared with you how important what you said, when you said it, that how important it is to be honest and genuine. One bad moment, and I think Greg and I have talked about this early, early on in one of the podcasts that, you know, for every bad interaction a person might have, it's going to take seven, eight good interactions to get back all the uh, credit in that type of situation. I, I just think that, I think I'm encouraged that you've had such good uh, managers, enough good managers that it, it's kind of shaped your outlook and stuff. Now, one of the things, uh, Greg, you want to walk into leadership here? Because I think it's kind of interesting, uh, Casey's view and expectations on le- leadership. Yeah, maybe what, because uh, I, I know uh, we've had a great dialogue. Maybe you just, you know, what are your two thoughts, your most important advice that you would give to, to leaders or things that you've learned? If there were two big takeaways 
that early in your career you have learned that you will aspire to as you begin to have staff reporting to you and going forward? But what, what, what are the one or two big takeaways that you would say that you would have from a leadership perspective that you would aspire to? I think being a good listener, I think that's the key to opening up uh, future career development. I think as a good listener and maybe you, maybe the new person to your group might have some simple questions, but having those discussions early on in the first six months of, I guess, your professional relationship, creating a open environment where you're listening and providing feedback and having conversations where it could be, it could be about work or it could just be friendly conversations. I think if you're a good listener and you are receptive to feedback or having conversations with people, I think it opens up so much future growth in your relationship or for that individual. I think you can start going into different aspects. I've had people in my career where I've been fortunate enough where they've started to ask me career advice early on in their careers. So when you're a good listener, you'll eventually get to the point where you can start kind of challenging their career growth or, or giving them more professional feedback. I think if you're a good listener and you're very open and honest with people, I think people will start to ask you questions where you might be kind of surprised by it, or you can lead to, you can help out with their development. So I think that that's, I think it's first and foremost, like just being a good listener. I think that's so important and not just providing opinions all the time. I think you need to be able to create that environment and creating that environment early is so crucial because if you have someone shut down or if you have someone that is uncomfortable with asking any type of question, it can stunt their growth and it can stunt your growth as a leader as well. Yeah, I love that because really it's just, again, it comes back to that safe, brave space, right? And that that safety is through being a good listener to for creating that open space, then I'm more confident to share and and a trust builds up. And then in that trusting environment, that safe environment, we become more courageous. Um, and by how we ask questions of challenge, and there's one of your comments about your great leaders that you've worked for, you know, then then you can become more brave and and express your ideas. Um, even if it's a different perspective that your boss has or each other have. And, and, but it all begins with that uh, listening and creating that, that uh, open and safe space as the core foundation that builds that trust. So I think you're right. That's a, that's a great insight to learn so early on in your career. Uh, honestly, um, you know, I think I wish I would have learned that even earlier on. I am a pretty good listener, but I tend to get distracted of things and get excited about things and sometimes lose sight of some things and uh, then don't um, create as safe a space. And, um, and I've had to learn that over my career. So having one experience that earlier on and now internalizing that as a future leader uh, is exciting. So let's do a couple of quick uh final thoughts. I see that the clock is ticking away. So um, Casey, do you have uh, like just a, a last thought about this? Yeah, I think to build on Greg's comment there, I think when I reflect on myself as a, a potential future leader, if I ever get that opportunity and uh, how I feel I could 
develop and improve. I think for me, I always am a curious guy and I need to find the answer. So if I find the answer, there's essentially one absolute truth. So I think I need to change my philosophy a little bit and kind of tweak it that there's not exactly always going to be one absolute truth. And I think if you understand that there might be more than one answer to a question, I think that that can encourage other people to provide those uh, discussions. And I think that that just creates a way better environment for them in the future. I love that. I love that instinct and that, that summary there, um, uh, Casey, because I think it also reflects a little bit about, you know, our narrow view definition of millennials. Um, and, and, you know, this whole idea of, of there are different truths and different views and different perspectives and millennials in general, uh, that the generation has a stronger voice is more willing to, to, uh, say things, although, you know, it varies depending on the person and their experience, but in general, so as leaders, as managers, what a beautiful opportunity to remember that my truth isn't the only truth and there is a broader truth and perspectives that will help us be more successful. And how do I create the space for uh, each of those perspectives, those truths, those ideas to come forward? That's gonna create greater personal success potential and but also team potential success and organizational potential sec success, frankly. So um, uh, that's I love that uh, insight. And then if we apply it back over this whole topic of millennials, how uh, managers who find themselves in different generations can broaden their view and perspective. I really like uh, Casey this discussion because I think it's it's brought me back over almost every podcast that we've done up to this point in every conversation Greg and I had had at the diner before the podcast started. And it, it, you've just reinforced all these things about communication and listening and creating an environment. And a lot of that has to be around feeling comfortable with other people, other generations, being comfortable with yourself. And it really kind of solidifies for me the importance uh, and the determination when becoming a manager and quite often people uh, accidentally become managers or put into situations, but how important it is to feel comfortable, to give it a lot of thought, to go in with a plan, to work on communication skills, to build an environment where you know people like you, Casey, or groups of people that you work with uh, can get the job done, can develop uh, personally, professionally. And uh, I like how this conversation has basically hit every communication point Greg and I have been talking about for months and months and months. So thank you very much for that. And I'm glad that you could come on the program with us. And before we wrap up, I just want to say it's been a good conversation. It's been, uh, Greg's known you, uh, well, basically forever, but uh, it's been great to get to know you. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. I think to add on to your comment, one of the things that I thought of when I was uh, kind of getting prepared for this was... I thought I was going to list like 10 different characteristics of how to be a good leader and 10 different characteristics of how to be a bad leader. And I was kind of shocked where I couldn't really think of much. <laughs> and I think it was just, there's so much literature and rhetoric about how to be a good leader, how to be a good manager and how to manage effectively that you want to provide so much detail because it's such a dense subject. But I think when you really strip it down, it can be very simple and 
achieving one, two, and three can lead to so much opportunity for a, a millennial or for a manager or a future manager. That's awesome. So we hope that some of what we have spoken about, everybody finds helpful. We hope that you didn't find anything we spoke of offensive or made you really angry. But Greg, I, I think uh, we got to fall back on happier peeved again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So earlier we do this at the end of each of our podcasts that, uh, you know, uh, what I discovered earlier on in my coaching sessions and try to do that as well is that the best coaching sessions are ones where I I, I leave with a sense of joy that I have actually know I'm on the right track. I'm doing some good things and I'm feeling good about myself, but I also leave with some churn and I may be peeved a bit at what my coach has said because it's hit a nerve of something that I know is true that I can choose now to grow and learn and try something different. And so we hope that uh, uh, today you had a little bit of both, especially with this whole idea of millennials, but also really those core truths that Casey shared around what are the core characteristics, those three things, as he said, that boy, if we just did these, guess amazing things could happen. So we hope that you have a little bit of joy, we hope there's been a little bit of churn uh, and that with both of those, you will reflect and apply uh, those insights into the next conversation, the next opportunity you have as a manager. Joy or pain. I like that. So remember, take time with the people you work with. They are an important part of your job, your success, or your failure. Thanks, Casey, and talk to you folks next time. Take care.